Have you ever experienced something so crippling in your life that has made you feel broken? I have. Are you someone who has a giving heart but is struggling to feel good themselves? Are you consistently putting your needs aside to take care of everyone else? If so, you're not alone. Giving starts with giving to yourself so that you are able to give of yourself to other people. Isn't it time you took back control and discovered what makes you tick? Join me in my journey and find out how you can feel better about yourself, live your best life, and share that with others. Thinking of yourself, it doesn't make you selfish. It makes you brave. I'm Nelia, and this is the Giving Starts With You podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Giving Starts With You podcast. I'm your host. I'm Nelia Hutt, and I created this show so that people like you and people like us could connect. Um, Today, we are going to speak to a wonderful lady. Her name is Leanne Lai Lacaba. She is from the Philippines. So welcome to the show. How are you today? Happy to be here, Nelia. Thank you so much for having this platform, basically, and I'm super excited to talk with you today. Oh, I'm so happy to have you, and especially with the time difference. Thank you for for committing to that. Um, So Leanne, she's a Filipina girl boss who is the CEO and co-founder of 2XU, um, a remote executive assistance service company. I love this. Yeah, this is very needed, especially in today's world. And I hear you're doing great work connecting everybody with the skills that they need. Mm -hmm. And congratulations on your very successful company. And I know that you started it really young. So that's fun. Not that you're not young now, but that's fantastic. (laughs) Congratulations. Thank you. I know Leanne is going to speak to us a little bit about her journey. She is going to share with us um, her journey with Um, anxiety and PTSD and she's going to try to help the listeners understand um, what it was like for her and um, how we can help you as well so thank you so much for for you know coming on here and trusting us with your story first of all because I know it's not easy sometimes so Mm -hmm. thank you so where would you say that your journey began well for a lot of the time and and this is now more like retroactively like i was never i was we were never taught about mental health we never thought you know taught about how to think about ourselves and um but i knew that i was i've always been kind of even even when being surrounded people i always wanted to be separate or that was there was something that i was i observed that i had in me but other people didn't um and basically the way the big thing that kind of started my whole journey with mental health was about um seven years ago i almost died um it's it's not uh it's a story that i have told so many times but every time i say it's still very surreal to me uh basically there was the strongest typhoon until now and on record to make landfall made landfall on my city and I had the, basically at that point, I was used to typhoons. We were a typhoon place. We were facing the Pacific, so we were used to it. But it was one of those typhoons that we never knew. They, they were using words like storm surge. They were using words like um, the, the waters might rise. And we, at that time, we were living right kind of near the, the, um, the coast, but we kind of never really thought of it that way because 
we we were we were called a city by the bay so we were like used to to seeing the, the uh, ocean a lot and basically it was um november 8th of 2013 and honestly it was kind of like a weird normal day like the, the power was already out but they usually do that anyway um we were i was cooking i was literally cooking breakfast to because i am the eldest to you know, for my siblings, because both my parents were actually not there at that day. So it was very much a lot of circumstances and happenstance that happened where the water started flooding in. We didn't know what, what was going on. We didn't know if that was going to last. My uh, young, my uh, second to the youngest sister was the one who pointed like, uh, you know, uh, our, our Tagalog word for older sisters, like, ate. So like, ate, water's coming in. So like, I started like thinking, like, okay, we need the rice cooker, we need the the bag of groceries that I just did two days before. Because, like I said, we're, we're always prepared for for a typhoon. Um, I started, you know, giving instructions to my brother, like, hey, hold the. Basically, we had a really big chair towards the door because I saw the water slowly rising from our glass window, and we just started hauling ass going up into our second floor. Luckily, we had a second floor; some people didn't. Um, and the water just started rising really fast. And then, just as we were about to make our turn towards our second floor, um, towards the stairs, the water uh, basically over like overpowered our windows and then it crashed towards us. So the water rose really high, almost up to our, uh, my chest, if I remember right. Um, my grandmother, who was sadly only, um, she was only four, nine, four, eight, almost fell down just because the water rushed up really, really fast. And we, I told my siblings to take care of, of grandma, you know, bring her up, take care of, um, I have a aunt who is uh, basically um, disabled. So we had to, take care of them first for some reason uh some instinct in me told me to go back and grab make sure that i grabbed the rice you know very filipino grab the rice make sure the rice is fine and that was when the water started rising up to my neck um and then i had this very surreal moment and it was just i knew it was just a second um where i had the rice on one hand i had a um basically a big box of candles on the other hand and i had uh basically um I forgot what was, what was in my mouth. <laughs> I had something in my mouth, basically, just trying to match. I had a match on, in my mouth, trying to get everything up. And I couldn't anymore because all of my mom's wooden furniture was floating towards me. And I had this split second uh, moment where I looked at, you know, that the, the term where your life flashes before your eyes right before you die? It actually happened to me. It was like every single thing plus everything that I was working towards. I, at that time, I wanted to become a lawyer. I wanted to find a job overseas so I can provide for my family and, and start a family of my own. That was kind of like, it was like just my whole life in front of me. And I remember the feeling of hating it so much. That was the feeling that I, I came out of it. So then my brain just kind of made a click of like, I'm going to change my life from this moment. I'm going to choose a life that I actually really want and not just because it's something that everyone else is telling me I should do because I'm the eldest. So I literally spit out the matchbox out of my mouth. I scream for my brother. He takes everything off of me until now to this day. I have no idea how to do it. I try to do it jokingly when I tell the story to people, how I got over the railing to our second floor. I can't do it, but I, I got myself up. I hauled, I hauled myself up up there. Um, and basically the water didn't subside for another four hours. I and mean, we're just stuck out there. We're just praying the rosary. We prayed all four, <laughs> all four mysteries. We were just, uh, you know, we, we tried to make it as 
kind of normal as possible, even though we could hear like furniture getting broken. We could hear some people, uh, some people who didn't have a second floor climbed up on the roofs and we can see their, um, you know, it was basically, I also, at one point I told my, my siblings to change into brighter clothes in, in case that they were going to rescue us so they can see us right away. So it was very, until, and, and, and I had this very clear thought of this is just happening here you know everywhere else people are 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 um safe they're feeling okay and my parents are okay um even though the, uh, because they weren't there and that was kind of just the thought and then um when the water pine is subsided we, we were able to see packages basically just a lot of wreckage um for the next few days for that whole week we were either seeing smell uh seeing dead bodies or smelling uh, dead bodies that the official the one they said the death count was about ten thousand, but we knew just because we lived there that it was over that way way over that um and basically since then i kind of got into once we arrived we moved into the city that i'm actually in right now um which is one of the reasons why i kind of held on to it uh, where we got into this group of people who, you know, it was a, uh, it was a group therapy. And then we were like, um, yeah, this is what we experienced. And then since then, I kind of just finished my third year of college. I went back to the city because the, the, our college opened up again, finished my third year, moved here um, at 18, and basically didn't go back to school anymore because it was too much. Like the six months that I had to go to school, it was... I couldn't recognize my own city anymore. I couldn't recognize our house anymore just because it's, it changed so much within that two hours of wreckage, basically. Um, and in the last couple of years, I have diagnosed with PTSD. I have anxiety. Um, last year, it got so bad um, right around the time that my grandmother died that I was having panic attacks every day. So it was very... It was all everything all at once and I didn't know what to feel. I didn't know how to really fully process it. I never had the tools or the person to talk to about it because for most of my life, it was being told that it was all in my head. And then it was only when I got a really good therapist who taught me to go back, taught me to cope, um, that I was I realized that I've been having panic attacks since I was eight, um, which was crazy. Like I would go on full high, like hyperventilating at school whenever something was stressing me out so much. And all that time people were telling, oh, it's just, it's just your asthma or it's just all, in, again, all in your head. It's just something that, you know, um, you might just be feeling. And it was only very like a year ago that I was realizing like, oh, it, it, it goes back really, really like um, far. Um, so like I've, since then, I've been very open about my mental health. I, I talk about it. I even very, when I, when I have bouts of depression, I, I still try to post about it like I, I it's it's not the easiest topics to talk about but i've seen here in the philippines like more and more being people being open about it uh but that's basically kind of the the big dream that went on that that started with that storm wow what a story <laughs> that's a lot um as a young girl for you to take that action too like i was just thinking when you were talking back in 2013 it's like I'm thinking you're probably the same age as my son and I don't know if my son would have known what to do and I know you say because you've had typhoons before you were a little bit you know it, like sort of pr half prepared but this one really was really bad I'm I'm so happy that you and your family were are safe 
Yeah. And yeah. Um, that sounds horrific. So scary. It, it, like I said, it felt like I thought it was never going to end. I thought that was okay. This is our life now. So it was very surreal and weird. And um, until now, it, it's still unbelievable to me that it, that it happened. Yeah. And, and not only did you, you know, you had to take care of the younger ones. You were young yourself, right? But not mm -hmm. having your parents there, that must have been even... Because that's who we always look to at that age, right? Okay, what do I do? Tell me what to do. I'll do it, you know? Mm -hmm. So, wow, you uh, you did well. You really yeah. did, taking care of everybody. <laughs> Incredible. But isn't that the way it works sometimes? We, we take care of everybody else, and then um, sometimes not having somebody to talk to or suppressing maybe for protection, um, it just... Okay, like, for example... Um, I suppressed feelings for 10 years and it wasn't until, and I also had this going back to childhood, panic attacks and everything like you're explaining. Um, and it wasn't until one big thing, life-changing thing changed as an adult that everything started to come out. Mm -hmm. So when you say that, um, last year, you know, still you were experiencing panic attacks and you were able to find a group and start talking and find the right therapist. It's so, so important. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if, were you like in shock a little bit? Like maybe you were unable to talk to, about it for a little while? Well, it was basically, I, I, my default is always, and I, and I now have called it because I've noticed it too much is I go in autopilot whenever something big or something, scary happens. So um, I think basically for those seven months that I kind of went back to school, I kind of finished my third year, I just went on autopilot. In those seven months, I achieved a lot. Like I found, um, I self-published my own book. And uh, this was seven months after the, the typhoon. I got into this writing uh, fellowship that was super exclusive. So I was still, I was, I did what I said I would, that I would choose the life that I wanted. But at the same time, I just kind of, I was surrounded by people who went through it. I was surrounded by people who didn't want to talk about it. I was surrounded by people who were either sick of my story or um, you didn't really want to hear it because they were, you know, um, for for my mom, she has her own heroic story of getting on the first flight out, which was even on a military plane, walking eight hours from the airport to our house just to be there on the on the the next night, basically after the typhoon. So for her it was also very traumatic. So it's it was hard seven months. And when I moved here and I was still getting these weird I didn't know it was anxiety attacks. Um, and I, I went to the doctor and basically he just gave me a prescription. They didn't really have me talk about it. And I didn't, right away, I didn't trust. I, that was, it was kind of like a very instinctive thing of like, no, I, I don't trust you if you're just going to give me pills. Like I, I've looked up a little bit about this process. So um, since then I didn't really open up about it. I would tell people about it if they asked, but it was, I just went on autopilot and it wasn't until I found a really good therapist last year that I was able to uncover like a lot of my PTSD was I would feel guilty if anyone, anyone of my siblings mm. died. That was basically the biggest weight that I was carrying is being responsible um, for the death of my siblings because I, I love each and every one of them. I haven't, it was a lot. It was a lot to unpack. There was a lot of different things of my parents not being there, of losing my childhood basically so I literally just turned 18 a month before so it was wow. it was a lot and I never really got to unpack it I just kind of kept turning on and off my autopilot um and 
just having to process it kind of really lately when I found a really good therapist. Yeah, it sounds like when you're on autopilot too, and you were doing so well, like you self-published this book and you were getting all the things done, sort of like to keep your mind busy, right? Mm -hmm. And occupied off mm -hmm. of all of this other stuff. That's what we do. Like, yeah. it's, it's <laughs> yeah. so tough. I, I can't imagine the pressure that you had to take care of other people, but you know what? That might've been what gave you that extra superhuman strength to do it is yeah. having them yeah. there and know that, look, I'm the oldest, I need to do this. So, <laughs> wow, I'm just, I'm still, you know, thinking back to everything that you were saying about your story, I can't imagine. Um, and then you've got another level, the, the water is gone, and then you're looking out and you're actually seeing the devastation. That's another loss. And mm -hmm. you're seeing um, dead bodies. I cannot imagine that. And people just everywhere, you probably felt I don't know how you felt. You probably felt so surreal and wow and relieved that you were okay. But so, yeah, there's so much loss around you. That's like compounded, you know, compound grief and compound. It's a lot to unpack. So when you hold it all in like that, you know, and then you finally find a community, you said a group that understood. What did that mean to you at that time? It was very short-lived sadly um but it was one of the first ways that i was able to to really process and it was basically um people who who went through the same thing and it was short it was it was only just a month but it it that was only when i started really thinking about how i react to certain things or how i think about certain things um it got me to notice basically me basically the the part of me that I never thought was really there because people kept saying that it was all in my head. Um, so I kept just ignoring that, that part of me. <laughs> that part. Um, yeah. Um, so that group basically just helped me open up into just noticing more and more about Leanne that I never saw. Um, and even in the coming years, I'm still, I still look back into that little group therapy and I'm thankful that I, that I went to, even though that was really like fresh, I was, that was like a week and a half after it happened um, because of that, 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 that really helped me open up and really think about myself in a different way. Yeah, because if there were more people out there to be able to reach out to you, I think, you know, you wouldn't have maybe held on to things so, so long. Like you would have had yeah. an outlet to begin. It's hard. Like you will never get over this completely ever. It'll always be with you. And you just, you know, it's not something that you cure, right? You just have to manage and you learn about yourself and see what your triggers are and, and, and just go, just go from there. And it's so important um, that we recognize how our body works and how we deal with stress and all those things, because having a panic attack, it's scary. Like when you don't know what it is, mm -hmm. Oh my God, you're dying. Like what's happening to me? Like you thought you had asthma for a while, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, and I, so, and I did grow up with it. So I, I knew so, that it was okay. one possibility and then, which is more terrifying because an asthma attack that would actually actually kill me. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. It's sort of, sometimes it's a relief to find, to get a diagnosis and say, Hey, you have panic attacks because it's like, Oh my God, I'm not dying. You know, like I would feel like I, there was somebody behind me literally, and there was nobody behind me. And I would feel that there was somebody behind me squeezing my neck where I couldn't breathe. And my throat was so tight. I did that for about six months and I kept turning around and kept turning around thinking there's somebody behind me. There's somebody behind me. And it wasn't until I knew what was happening that I could relax a little bit. And then that feeling slowly started to yeah, subside. And uh, when it came back, it, yeah, I wasn't, it, yeah. yeah. And I wasn't as scared 
because I knew that I was going to be okay. But it can be terrifying to have panic attacks. Oh my goodness. So how far away from do you live now from when you had the typhoon happen at your other home? Um, I am, I, I keep, I keep looking it up and I keep forgetting, but basically I am about a hour, fl- uh, 30 minutes to 45 minutes flight out, um, okay, from, so from home. And I, and I chose this city. Um, basically I fell in love with it when the first time I came here when I was six, but, um, I chose the, one of the reasons I chose the city was this is now facing the other side of the ocean. So we rarely have typhoons here. If we do, I am in a condo. That's a little bit farther from the sea. From the sea, okay. so like in my head, I'm like, I'm gonna be fine. I'm gonna be okay because I still have. Um, like, if the wind is really, really strong, just because I'm up on the tenth floor, I can hear the 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 same like wind turbine sound that I I, I heard during Amanda. Uh, that was the typhoon's name. I would start shaking. I would start getting cold sweats, um, and I would have to. And and my roommates know this. All of them know. Um, and I would just tell them like. Can you hug me, and I just I'll just get a really big bear hug uh, from them. So it's it's still definitely I like I had an anxiety at- attack on the anniversary. I always do. It's either anxiety or panic attack. So far this year was the mildest, which I'm like thank God. But it's it's still there are days where still I still imagine that I'm still home, or I I feel like I'm trapped at home. I have I have those dreams still, which is very weird <laughs> for me. But yeah, but yeah. Yeah, I'm so sorry. I can't imagine to feel like you might drown. How horrific that must have felt for you. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. So what helps you? What helps you cope with those with those moments where you're panicking or hyperventilating or, you know, you wake up in the middle of the night and, and you're, maybe you're back in that moment? Well, a lot of it is or was just knowing when that knowing that I was safe, that I that I did move here. I'm kind of like environment shift like literally a whole environment shift of moving to the city moving to a place that i actually didn't really know anyone but slowly made friends i I know that i can survive i know that i can always adapt and be flexible and it was also the a lot of it was was well now i it was because of my my therapist of grounding myself of journaling if if i really can't speak of of just writing everything down i go back to my writer skills and it's also just the knowledge that i've gone through this is funny that i've gone through worse (laughs) that's why i have these so it's it's always those of of, that help me me cope and then i start grounding myself then i start thinking of like okay these are the three things that i'm grateful for you know um and i know that i can always knock on my uh roommate's door and like hey I really need someone to just t- even just hold my hand you don't even have to hug me so it's it's having the support also of people who um, basically have been living with for uh, six years which is actually um, my boss and other managers of the company that we have <laughs> so that helps <laughs> uh, people that I already know and um, yeah just kind of knowing that I did change I did move myself I did make that shift right after I had I had that realization yeah, I'm glad you realized that because a lot of people don't uh, make the change or they're too afraid to start over, you know, but uh, it makes total sense. Like I probably would have done the same thing. Um, no matter how scary it was, it was probably scarier for you to stay in that and to stay in that devastation and closer to the ocean and 
and all these things. So good for you for noticing that. And, <laughs> and I'm so happy that you have that community now that you've told your roommates like at the beginning so that they knew and they weren't, you know, people get freaked out sometimes when they don't understand. What do I do? How do I help this person? Yeah. You know, all these yeah. questions. So I'm glad that you did that because we need that support system around us. You know, sometimes I'll say to my husband, um, because, you know, when you're in that moment, you can't always ask for help. Like if you're depressed in that moment, you don't, you're so into everything that you're feeling and you're feeling your mood is so low that sometimes you don't um, know to ask for, for help. So sometimes I, when I'm feeling good, I'll say to I'll turn to my husband and say, if you notice me doing this, 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 or this, you know, I'm going down this path. So you yeah. need to save me yeah. at this point because you don't want them not to notice, you know, as much as they love you and they know you and, and stuff, because it's like, well, I don't, I can't help myself in those moments. So I do need you. you yeah. Know? So yeah. it's important that we, we tell people maybe how they can help us as well. Yeah. I, I was lucky that uh, my boyfriend now lives in, in the same city and I've, I've, uh, we've been together since I was high school. So even um, after, like two days after the storm, he was right at my house checking out upon me if I was, it was, it was okay. So we both went through the same thing. He went through saving his cousin from their other house. So he has his own crazy story of his own, but, uh, but for him, he knows how to calm me down. He knows if I'm starting to, he's, he even sometimes knows when I'm getting depressed without me knowing that I'm, I'm already going down that path because I, I could be depressed for a month and I didn't even know that's that's like one of the scary things that I when when I go into autopilot is I'm not really aware about anything I'm just going through life so um he he has become that very strong support for me which is which is amazing so I know how that feels you know if you're out there listening to this show right now um and you don't suffer from any of these issues um maybe be the person who recognizes you know somebody when they're at that moment because we all need you <laughs> we yes. honestly do yes. and yeah what can you tell us a little bit of, about what it's like to have the ptsd part like well, do you feel that that's a little bit separate i know that will bring on the anxiety and the panic attacks and stuff but do you have like nightmares or like can you tell us a little bit about that side of it the interesting thing is i am not afraid of swimming that was one of the things that my my therapist pointed out you're not afraid of swimming you're not afraid of the ocean in fact i love going to the beach um because i don't think i really associated that the water came from the ocean um i think it was just it was just in my head it was just a flood so that so i'm like yep that that makes sense that part makes sense um and basically the only the biggest thing that really scared me was the wind and the really hard rain because in my head rain it calls to flooding so there are days especially i still live in a tropical country where the rain gets really really like harsh um that i would start i would either start curling up or i would actually hide under a blanket or um I would just literally throw my best friend a look if she's with me um, in the room and she would know that she would scoot closer to me and just kind of put her head on my shoulder. So it's, it's, it's those times and it's little moments. It's little moments of feeling that um, like I also have social anxiety. So it's little moments of where I'm feeling like I'm going to drown because there's too many people around me um, or it's the feeling that 
I'm literally going to be blown away. That was that was one of the weirdest ones that I found within myself when the wind is is too strong and I'm outside. I actually so ask someone to hold me down, <laughs> even though it doesn't make any sense that I'm going to be blown away. With the nightmares, I used to have them. Um, thankfully, they've they've really subsided in the last couple of years. But it's still the like whenever it, when it was my, one of my first times to tell this story. This kind of, I have no idea how many times I've told this story, but um, one of the first times I would start to shake afterwards. I would have a hard time breathing um, afterwards. And of course, I would try to hide it um, a lot of the time because then a lot of people, especially if there were strangers, and I, I even told this story when I was going through Toastmasters. Um, and I would just hide. I was running the bathroom and kind of like, <laughs> so I would kind of really try to calm myself down. But most days it's just, having anxiety attacks without knowing what they are. It's having hot flashes uh, when it's really raining really hard. It's um, not being able to think straight when when um, the wind is really blowing kind of like a jet turbine because that's what it sounded like. That's how strong the wind was. So it's little moments that I sometimes don't even notice that I'm, that I'm already panicking, that I'm already having the anxiety attack. That is kind of how it, it still affects me seven years later. Oh, absolutely. It was it was so traumatic. Of course, it, it still affects you. People who don't suffer from anxiety and depression, um, sometimes and not out of being harsh, but just because they don't understand, sometimes they say all the wrong things. Yeah. So yeah. please don't say things like, oh, you're crazy. Or don't worry, you'll be fine. Take a breath. Like we've thought of all those things. Okay. We don't need you guys <laughs> to be telling us to tell us to take a deep breath. Like we've tried everything. Okay. And it does not mean that we're unable to cope with daily life situations. It, you know, there are triggers. There are things that really take us back to certain things in our lives. And for you, it was this huge typhoon, this huge time in your life where it was literally life and death. Mm -hmm. um, for some of us, it's not a big one big thing like that for some of us it might be an accumulation of suppressing feelings and then just exploding and not knowing how to deal with things or lack of sleep like there's so many things um but yeah of course you know it's seven years later and you're still you know don't be hard on yourself about it right i don't think you <laughs> yeah. are I've, i don't I've think learned. you are <laughs> yeah but it's it's tough because people wouldn't when you're with people that don't understand and you don't want to tell your story all over again, um, like you said, you don't, you know, you get tired of telling it or you just think people don't want to hear it anymore. You know, it's, it's tough to, to tell people in like a sentence, Hey, I just need a minute, you know, cause you get a look or you yeah. get a, but it's still important despite what everybody else thinks it's still important to take that time for yourself. And when we do give time to ourselves and give you know, give that time and give that forgiveness and permission to feel all those things. I think it really, really is important. And I think, um, it makes things easier. You know, it just mm -hmm. helps the process along. And unfortunately, I don't know that this is something you'll ever get over. You know, this is not something you get over. It's just something, yeah. Yeah. um, like you said, you manage and you recognize it and, you know, just, and looking back when you said you had it as a child, when somebody says that to you, it's like, hold on a second. Now it makes more sense. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like I had certain things growing up too, and I just felt different. I felt like I didn't belong and I didn't know why. 
so for you, you know, because you had the asthma, it connect, kind of connected and you weren't sure. And then you, you know, yeah, you believe what people yeah. tell you and stuff like that. Um, and it's tough because you're like, well, I wish I had known this before, how my life could have been different, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's so great that people like you come on and, and share their stories, no matter how difficult they are, because people do learn from them and they know it's okay. It's okay. You're not going to die. You're not going to, you know, well, maybe, you know, I'm not saying for the typhoon, I'm just saying like from your anxiety attacks, it feels like you are, it feels like when you cannot breathe, it is one of the worst feelings. And then when you have thoughts and it's tough. Yeah, it's not, it's definitely when, when they do start coming in, like one of the scarier things about me that I, that I know about myself is I have, um, when I don't notice it, when I and I don't, or I suppress it, I notice and I suppress it. Um, I just kind of, I gravitate towards self-harm. I gravitate towards having suicidal thoughts. So it's really, for me, I really have to be mindful about it. And I'm thankful it's been six months that I haven't done any self-harm, which is the longest time. And it's because um, my therapist helped me break out of it. But it's, it's, you know, it's, it's scary. It's something that we can't always control. And a lot of people have to keep that in mind that it's not always in our control. And that makes it scarier even that it's not under control, but that, that it's okay. That, that so many other people have survived it. You know, you can, you can ask for help. You can get someone to kind of watch you. And it sounds weird, but I've done that where, I know when I'm, when I'm, like shaking to hurt myself in some way, I would actually just go to either my best friend or I would go to my boyfriends and then I would just sit there and I'm like, just, just, I'm just, I just need, <laughs> I just need people to, to like, I just need to be around people or else something is going to happen to me. So it's a lot of the, just having other people who, who doesn't, don't, they don't have to even understand sometimes. They just have to know that this is something that you struggle with. Um, and sometimes you just need to sit there in a corner with them watching you or just being able to be in the line of sight. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm glad that you do that. I'm glad that you notice that and that you do ask for that because some people don't know it yet mm-hmm. and they, they're too afraid to ask. And that even makes it harder because that's when tragic things happen, you know? So I'm oh, glad yeah. that I'm oh, glad yeah. that you're doing that. Yeah. It's, it's so hard and it sounds difficult for you as well. And I'm, I'm so I'm glad that you haven't, you know, that it's been six months and, um, yeah, it's tough one day at a time. Right. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's hard. It's hard. And do you get angry? Cause I know I get angry because I'm like, why does this have to happen to me? You know, why? Like, especially when I was first diagnosed with it, because even though we know that something is wrong, we don't necessarily put two and two together until somebody mm-hmm. comes out and mm-hmm. says, this is what you have. I was like, what are you talking about? Like mm-hmm. when I was told I had anxiety, I'm like, but I'm not worried about anything. Like, I don't have that. But then they're like, you don't have to, you know, it doesn't have to be right in front of you to have all the feelings and the buildup and, and everything that goes along with it. So were you like, did you feel the same way? Did you feel angry when you first found out or were you relieved that, Oh my God, this has a name. It depends on the diagnosis. (laughs) So it depends on which one. So when I was having PTSD and I had that group basically a week after the typhoon, um, it was a relief because I basically, I felt like, okay, it's not just me. When I was diagnosed with anxiety, I got, I did get a little bit mad. 
I used to got a little bit like blamey with my mom and how I grew up and like all of the environment that I had. Um, when it came to depression, it was a relief, really enough, because I thought that I was just dying. I thought I was just mentally dying for about eight months. I gained like five to 10 kilos of weight because I was going through it. Um, and that was even, that was even an experience after, um, when I first became CEO, when I became 20, I, we had to fire about 20 people in our company because we basically found a lot of damning things about them, about them trying to take over the company or kick me out because I was too young and they wouldn't accept me as CEO. Um, so I went through really, it was really eight months where I went from 55 kilos to 65, 67 was the, was the highest one. Um, and when I, when I basically got that diagnosis of like, oh, you have depression and, you know, um, we, we try, we'll try to find ways for you to cope. I was like, whoa, okay. So I wasn't just, okay, <laughs> that explains mm, so, much. so much. So again, it, it, the, it depends on the diagnosis. It was anxiety that I got really mad about both myself and, and my upbringing uh, about, but it was then that I, that I really started. Um, and at one point I got diagnosed with, um, mild BPD. Um, I forgot the, the, uh, the meaning of it now. Um, but, but, uh, borderline personality disorder. And that one was a relief really enough because then I was able to start coping and like, Oh, this is why I have really negative voices in my head. And I named the, the negative voice in my head just so I can distinguish that it's not Leanne talking. It's, I, I name her Jelly. It's Jelly talking. It's the voices of the bullies that I had. It's the voices of the critics that I've had in my life. So it, yeah, it really depends on the, <laughs> on the diagnosis because it was the anxiety that I got really mad about. And those critics, they really play a big part in us identifying, like creating our identity when we're growing oh, yeah. up. Oh, yeah. We don't think, oh, that's not true. Let's, you know, we don't think all the things we're supposed to, all the correct things. Like, mm -hmm. um, you know, we just believe everything. We believe everything that we're told. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. it's, it's hard because the more you know yourself and the more you can kind of say, well, no, that's their opinion of me. But we don't think that way when we're in that yeah. situation, yeah. you know? So it's so important that we don't let other people's opinions of us change our identity because... It happens a lot and it's not, mm -hmm. it's not, it's usually not a good thing, you know? Yeah. So I can imagine when you had your diagnosis for depression, how relieved that was, because it's like, that means that not only are you not alone, but there's a way out. Like there's mm -hmm. this, no matter how slow the process is one step at a time. And again, it's not something that you get cured from. You just have to realize when it's coming and um oh, be, yeah. you know you got to accept that it's there and then do all the things we're supposed to do right yeah it, it's tough you know it's tough because um the feeling of loneliness that comes with some of those things that you mentioned is really high and like you said you've got loving family you've got loving roommates you've got an awesome boyfriend he sounds really in tune with who you are and it's so great it's and not everybody is that lucky to have all those mm -hmm. people. But mm -hmm. even with all those people around you, um, I know from experience too, it's still lonely because nobody can really be in your body. You can yeah. explain yeah. what it's like to have a panic attack and you can explain what it's like to feel literally like you can't catch your breath and you're shaking and all these things. And, um, yeah. Oh, it's horrible. It's just horrible. And the hot sweats and all that mm -hmm. stuff and the choking and... 
if you haven't been there, you just don't understand. That's why yeah. sometimes it upsets me so much when people who don't understand or don't care to try to understand, um, like in my case, I've had some people and they're just like, oh, you just feel too much. Like, you just need yeah. to turn it off. Like, don't worry about it. Go for a walk. Do this. And there's nothing worse than that because it it makes you feel more alone. It makes you feel, under, you know, misunderstood. Mm-hmm. It makes mm-hmm. you not feel validated. And honestly, you know, on my show, I say a lot. I just want people to know that I see them and that I hear them and that I want them to feel they can be vulnerable and that they are validated and they're listened to and they're visible. And I think that that's so important. Oh yeah. You know, that, that we all make each other feel that way. Yeah. It's, it's funny and not really funny, but it, it was surreal when my siblings started opening up to me, uh, when they started opening up about their, their anxiety and having an anxiety at school, they would literally call me. And that was, that's the reason why my phone is always on vibrate is only for their notification. So I basically am just available for them at any time. So it was kind of in a way felt good for me that my siblings know that they could open up to me, that they could talk to me. Um, and it started happening and more and more as I kept you know, I, I keep posting until this day about mental health. I keep posting until they, uh, this is something that I teach inside of even of our, our company is, you know, take care of yourself. You know, I, I would not, if you're not feeling good, don't come in the office. It's okay. You know, you don't have to force yourself to work. You know, people will understand you have to take care of yourself first. So more and more people started opening up and talking to me. I, the whole time that I had a therapist, I was very open about having a therapist. So people would know that it was okay to talk about this or to feel about this. So um, thank you. When, thank you for when... doing that in your, <laughs> in your company. It's true because it's like the invisible disease. You know, if you have a cold or you're going through some kind of illness, you know, and people can see it, it on the it. outside. Yeah. yeah. But it's just as real. It's just as real when you mm-hmm. look healthy and you can't get out of bed. It's just as yep. real. And as a yep. boss now, I'm so glad that you incorporate that in, into your everyday and, and for your employees. That's wonderful. It's basically, I know exactly how it feels. I know how it feels to not feel okay. At one point we had an employee who was bipolar and she was, she was at uh, the same time okay with opening it up, but at the same time she didn't know how I was, how I would react. I'm like, it, it's okay if, if you need a day off especially uh, when she became a mom, if you need a day off, just, just take the day off. You know, I, I trust that you can get the job done or, you know, you have leave days, make sure to use them. I encourage people to use their leave days when they're not feeling good about themselves. So it's, it's not always like widely accepted by a lot of different people. Whenever I say that, especially with the, some of our clients who are not as open, but I, I have that conversation with them of like, they, if they can't be hundred percent, you don't want them working for you. So you, they have to have that recharge if they need that recharge. It's true. Cause you do have to take care of it right away because if you don't, mm-hmm. it just snowballs and it does get worse and you get deeper into it. So you do need to, it is something that you need to like assess immediately. So if you recognize yeah. it in yourself, I, that's, that's great. I'm glad that you allow people to do that. And I think that even people who don't have experience with it as bosses should still look into it a little bit. Cause I think it needs to be, um, okay. It needs to yeah. be okay. If yeah. people need to take time off, you know, as long as people don't abuse it, you know, oh, just yeah. Oh, yeah. when you need it, we're yeah. all adults, right? We're all just trying to help <laughs> each other out and stuff. 
but it's definitely is the invisible illness sometimes. Yeah. So yeah. how are your siblings now? Are they able to, um, do they have a community? Are they getting, do they have people that they can reach out to besides you? They have each other, which is amazing. But at the same time, it's not always perfect. Like in, in my hometown, even some parts of, of a lot of the major cities here in the, in the Philippines, it's not still something that is widely accepted or talked about. Um, so they have some friends. They have um, my brother also who's, who's there. I'm basically the only one who left town. Um, <laughs> um, but they have each other, which is, which is great. Um, they can sometimes talk to my mom. They can be Adults are basically scary, and I know how that feels. So they don't always talk to adults, but they know that they can open up, like to me, or um, they sometimes really enough open up to my boyfriend just because they know him also for a long time. <laughs> so it's it's they know that they can talk about it. They know they don't have to go through it alone. And even when on days when they say, oh, I, I don't want to talk about it or I don't want to feel it, I'm like, it's a, that's okay too. But like you have to, uh, one of these days, you have to really process it. Uh, because I know how that feels. I know there are days like I can't really even put into words what I'm feeling and I just need time to to really process them and I'm like that's okay but you have to think about them one of these days or else they're 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 gonna be the ones that are going to bring you a little bit down so I'm just here so I just do that to them. Oh that's great you sound like such a giver you know you're helping everybody (laughs) (laughs) but don't forget because you can you know deplete yourself right so you got to keep loving yourself too and doing all the little things that make you feel good and I know you know that but yeah no that's great being in the Philippines too and where they are your siblings um it's too bad that they're they're that because of the weather and everything that they haven't created more programs because it sounds like there's a lot of people who could use it especially Mm -hmm. with the typhoons and all the traumatic things that are happening like all the tragic um typhoons and, and being you know, like losing your home and, and just seeing all those images. So it's too bad. Maybe, um, yeah, maybe one of your siblings will start, will start <laughs> a, a group themselves. I mean, no, really, like, I think that it's so important. And how many, it's just my guess, but many, many people in your area probably could use that. Oh, um, I remember there were, when I was there for, for the seven months finishing school, there were p- people who were starting things. I just haven't been in touch with a lot of the things I've been growing in, in uh, my hometown, just because I literally ran away here. Um, yes. But I know that they they did start to, um, like I, I got published on two different books because they were collecting up stories and then um, I've talked about and opened up about it um, and been invited to talk into different places. So I know they're trying, but it's still not, again, uh, like mental health, that topic of mental health isn't still something that's widely really accepted. It's kind of like tolerated, but not accepted, which is still a really big difference. Um, and like I said, a lot of our people in our city don't even want to talk about it, don't even want to remember, don't even want to think that it's it hard. actually happened. Mm-hmm. And I understand. So I don't push. <laughs> no, yeah. no, for sure. For sure. So you, this the self a published book that you wrote. Can you tell us what it's called? Oh, that was a, uh, that was actually, I, I actually have also found a funny story. So that was a collection of short stories that I was working on for a year. During the typhoon, my laptop got wet and oh. I thought I lost 
everything. I was so devastated. And then when I, we got here, my hard drive was the only one that was not wet. So I was like, okay, so this is a sign <laughs> that I had to, <laughs> to really finish this. So um, went out, uh, you know, tried to get published by uh, the publishers. Of course, since I was like basically just a no one, I looked up how to publish a book on Kindle and I published a book on Kindle. So it was actually, uh, yeah, it was a collection of, of short stories. It's still up if you search up my name. Um, I It was short stories I, was, I wrote since I was 15. Um, so a lot of them are kind of cringy. At the same time, I'm really proud that at, at 18 years old, I figured out how to self-publish a book in a time where we didn't have electricity at home. So I did it all in school where we didn't really have internet (laughs) because basically we didn't have uh, electricity for about seven months um, because of everything, you know, toppling down. And it was also at the time where my MacBook, because my mom got me a secondhand MacBook that was like four years old, but I still loved it. I still, um, I still have it just for nostalgia's sake. My MacBook (laughs) was very charger dependent, um, but I was still able to figure it out. You know, a lot of people still can't figure out how to publish their own book on Kindle, even now with all of the guides. And I was able to figure it out. I still, I feel pretty damn proud of it. So, <laughs> yeah. If, if nothing else, you're very resourceful. <laughs> like, honestly. So, yeah, that's, you know, that's a great quality, especially for um, being a boss now. So do you want to take a few minutes and just let us know a little bit about your company? So when... After I moved here, um, I, I wanted a, you know, a full-time online job. So I've been working from home since I was 15 years old. I've been writing articles. I've been creating graphics. Any kind of gig before I even knew what the word gig was, I would take because it was basically a job where I didn't have to go to a physical office. I could do after I did all of my homework. Um, and when I moved here, I applied for an online job at a publishing company, which was a U.S. publishing company, um, which, is by hap- which was, of course, they were thrilled that I knew how to publish a book on Kindle because that was a lot of what I did. Um, and basically with that company, the, uh, the boss moved here and the next year, literally the next year, because I was still, you know, figuring out my path, figuring out what I wanted to do after almost dying. Um, he basically asked a group of managers and because being me, I was already a manager in, in six months. Um, he was asked like, okay, we're starting a different company next year. Um, this person, basically one of the pioneers was already earmarked to do, to run that company. This person was already earmarked. Uh, so it basically was up to uh, the two of us. And he basically said, so who wants to be CEO next year? I literally just raised my hand. <laughs> and in the next year, he trained me everything about systems, about people, about looking at the numbers of money. Um, and then became CEO. I ran it for three years, successfully gave it off to someone else who's now running it more, uh, better than I ever did uh, and started 2XU, which just became a very full circle moment for me when I started realizing that one of my biggest dreams is to really start a company that hires Filipino to work from home um, so then they can be with their family. Because for one of the reason why my dad wasn't there during the typhoon was for all of my life, he has been working overseas. That because that's the only way that you can earn bigger money, basically. Um, and I would only see him once, once or twice or thrice a year, only for like a month at a time. Sometimes just two weeks. So, um, and that was uh, when and I was going to a therapist. That was one of the reasons why I had an anxiety all the time because I wouldn't see my dad for different periods of time. And for me, it was a full circle moment of like I started. I figured this out when I was fifteen: how to work from home, how to get clients. And this was something that literally has changed my life. So I want 
to pass this on more to more people. So I, when I started to exceed, he was very much very close to the goal of just hiring more very smart Filipinos, very capable. Actually, right now, um, there's only two, one or two people who are only single. All of them are parents. All of them are, have their own little kids. So when we do Zoom calls, kids are running around in the background or like stealing the show. So it's, it, that was why I started it was, it would not only just have a lot of entrepreneurs or, or right now we're, um, we've niched down to content creators to be able to focus on just growing their business, but also um, really focusing on not just being in the background, you know, running the business and making sure everything is fine, but thinking of like, okay, how can we grow? Now that I have this person that I can trust, now I have this executive assistant who kicks ass, um, how can I, can I grow? So that, it was very much a very happy moment when I realized that that was something that I really wanted to do was starting a service company. So especially during COVID, I've only met our employees once. <laughs> <laughs> like we, we did a very, very small like barbecue party um, where we did like games and stuff, but that was the only time I've met a lot of the employees. Other than that, I've been, I've talked to them all through Zoom. So it's it's fun. It like in the last year, I've had a lot of fun, um, really fully because we only we technically started two years ago, but we only started earning money, which is when in in my entrepreneur mind we really started um, last year. So like I've just having been having fun, like seeing people grow, seeing people learn a lot of different skills that they would never have thought they could learn. So uh, that's kind of basically has been my baby for, for a year. So, yeah. That's awesome. And it sounds like you're keeping the families together, like by employing yeah. these people, you're able to keep the families together so that the parents don't have to go overseas because you know what yep, that's exactly. like. Exactly. So mm-hmm. that's a beautiful thing. You're, you're giving back, you know, mm-hmm. I love that so much. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, so I like your website's amazing. It's it's got all the great information. Um, if any of you are looking for her services, honestly, uh, make sure you check out her website. And uh, where else can we find you? I am also primarily on YouTube as also another full circle moment. I am coaching teenagers how to work from home. <laughs> so oh, um, I am very active on there. And uh, basically, it's just my name, just the Amai Lakaba. Um, and other places, it's just my Facebook, my Instagram, and my LinkedIn. It's all the same username, so it's really easy to find. Uh, but yeah, I'm most active on my YouTube, which I also interview amazing people like you on this. So, yeah. <laughs> Aw, thank you for saying that. That's very sweet. <laughs> yeah, it's phenomenal, phenomenal. And yeah, I appreciate so much that you came on. And I know you've told your story a lot, but it's just, I haven't heard it. I haven't heard it in that way <laughs> and our listeners didn't hear it. So yeah, look how successful you are. See, it's just another, it's just another example of, you know, things not holding you back. You can be in a, in a tragic situation. You can be near death. You can be a protector of your family. You can be all those things. You can be an author. You can have anxiety, depression, you know, all these things, um, and survive not only survive but thrive you know you're doing so well you should be so proud of yourself honestly to be 15 and starting to to work from home and now teaching that and your business is succeeding you know everything is 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 working out so well for you so yeah keep working hard I know it's not easy it's not easy you know to have your own business but it's definitely not easy to get through those days um, the days where we all need other people. 
Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I respect you for putting that in your business as well and, and allowing them to have a little bit of a safe place. So mm-hmm. thank you so much. Thank you for, is there anything that you, we haven't talked about that you want to share with us? I think this is, this is something that was very crucial to me when, when I was going through like a journey and I'm still going through the journey is that find a therapist who feels right to you. It doesn't have to be the person who feel, feel, feels right for other people or a therapist who was billed by your insurance company. For me, I found a therapist who believed in chakras, which is something that I, I also believe. I found a therapist who worked with me on like the different belief systems that I had. It was She was definitely not a very typical therapist in a lot of different ways but she was someone who I needed at that time. Like now I haven't, I haven't seen her um, since June, but because it was a time where I needed something else. So know that help is, is there. Um, it's, it might come in the most unconventional sense, um, but it's, it's out there and you also don't have to stick by it forever. You can shift and you can grow and you can need different things. So just kind of something to keep in mind as, you know, five months later I've I haven't seen her but it's she's someone that I am always grateful for that I have met that I um reached out and was brave enough to say like hey I need help when can I see you <laughs> so that 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 step is is crucial and and helps so yeah mm. yeah because there are like fundamental things that help most people with anxiety and, and all the things and PTSD and all the things but there are so many alternative things that and everybody is so different that you don't know you have to be open to trying new things so you were open to mm-hmm. trying something that she was presenting to you so you have to be open because if you're not you're never going to find that person so try yeah. something if it doesn't work move on to the next thing keep trying keep trying because One, there two, are <laughs> so many yes there are so many different solutions and don't get down on yourself if the first five don't work mm-hmm. it's okay <laughs> You know, I appreciate you saying that because it's so true. Sometimes even in personalities, we don't click or we feel like it's not always somebody with the best schooling that is the most helpful. We just have to click with somebody and it's okay. Don't feel bad because, you know, people like us, we tend to feel bad. Oh, I don't want them to feel like, how do I say no, this isn't working for me. So you stick in it, you stay in it and you're just wasting time and it's not helping you. So it's okay. And I'm sure that the therapist appreciates it too. They don't want to waste their time if they can't help you, right? Sure. sure. So I think we need to be our biggest advocates. We need to be okay with everything and just try to move through it one step at a time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and if you Any need steps. somebody to talk to, talk to Leanne, talk to me. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, hopefully we can we can shed some light on some things and and uh you know everybody's gonna be okay so i appreciate that thank you for for talking about that i'm glad you mentioned it absolutely i so enjoyed our conversation today i hope you did as well i'm gonna go check out your website again because you never know i might need your services right one day (laughs) so that would be cool now you know me so (laughs) (laughs) that's it that's it Well, thank you so much, Leanne, and um, keep doing everything that you're doing. Keep taking one day at a time. You're really doing well. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. If you enjoyed what you heard, please subscribe or leave a review. See you next week on the Giving Starts With You podcast.